On this episode of What the Fun Podcast, we have film and stage wig designer Ashley Ray Callahan, also the Ladies Talk Leadership, and Brene Brown. All this and more on What the Fun Podcast. Hey there, friends. Welcome to episode 29. Whoop, whoop. Here we go again. Oh my gosh, you know, I gotta say, I really enjoyed um, episode 27 with Serna. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I will say that I was, you know, I was listening to the episode and I listened to everyone's episode, but you know, with those Serna, just for some reason triggered something, you know, and it kind of goes back to the Capricorn season of mm-hmm. just, you know, restructuring and rebuilding. And I, you know, as I was driving and listening to his episode, I felt rejuvenated. And Kisa, I think I text messaged you um, while I was like, on my way to work saying like, hey, um, by the way, I was not texting while driving. I was dictating <laughs> to Siri to text Kisa. But um, like I was letting Kisa, I didn't the ladies know that, um, you know, there was something about that episode that truly rejuvenated me. You know, there's, there's this, there's just this thing going on in my personal life and I was just a little, you know, confused and just trying to get things all sorted out and you know, Capricorn season for me when I did that whole pick a pile, it, you know, talked about, um, and this was a reading with Chris Corsini, pick a pile, um, astrology. He was saying that, um, for the pile that I picked was all about, you know, things are going to slow down, gives you an opportunity to plan and restructure. And I just started thinking about, you know, the episode of Cerna. And for me, I wanted to, uh, what's that word? I, I felt this sudden urge to change mm-hmm. in, in a great way, in a great way. Like and evolve. Evolve. Thank you. Because of the new year and just, you know, trying to <laughs> renew myself with the new branding of Kimberly, which Renee will never <laughs> accept. <laughs> It was just, it was just a feel good. It was just a feel good interview. That's, that's all I just wanted to say was episode 27 made me feel good. Felt rejuvenated. Yeah. I have a plan. I have a plan and I'm slowly going to build towards it. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Well, I felt the same way, but in general, like I think that episode helped a lot. Working on the episode helped a lot because I think we had had like a little break so mm-hmm. getting back into the creative zone just reminded me of how much fun that could be yeah um and then today i i'm on vacation right mm-hmm. currently but <laughs> we we're supposed to have a friend that was going to distract us during this vacation and she's not here because of the whole covid situation and now i'm like here on vacation but i'm doing work trying to catch up on my emails and stuff and then i was like i need to go enjoy my day so what did i do i ended up in a parking lot with a tub of ice cream (laughs) nothing wrong with that i don't see anything wrong with that did you um did you did you go to your old place of employment hagen does no i didn't I went to Handles. Handles. I was like next to to the uh, Long Beach airport. So I parked next to it, you know, and I was able to see the airplanes. And I'm eating this big tub of ice cream. And I felt like glorious. It's like being back to my creative self. I love it. Ice cream does um, soothe the soul. Remind us again. Remind us again. um, When you worked at Hagendas, how long were you employed? Two weeks. I don't even know if I lasted two weeks. Honestly, they took me in that freezer and forgot about me, and I said, "No more." <laughs> that was it. How long were you in the freezer for? I don't even have any idea. Maybe like twenty minutes. <laughs> That's long. It's not that enough for me to be long. like, "This is not happening again." Yeah. I'm leaving. Yeah. I don't need this. Yeah. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the trainers are like, uh, so wait, where's the new girl? Where did she go? <laughs> she's gone. She's been gone for a while. <laughs> I think it was my boss. Too. I don't know. I don't know. Not a good experience. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah, I finally did do my pick a pile. Uh-huh. Was, like you guys told me, like what all the, like you know, crystals were. And I thought I was picking 
three. And I actually ended up picking one. And then his like reading for me was like, you need to take it easy, slow down, relax, you know, like rest, mm-hmm. which I never do, right? Because I always have things to do. And so then, you know, with our friend who wasn't able to come into town, I had, you know, Friday off. So I was supposed to go get it from the airport. And I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna like hang out, you know, just like lay on the couch and like not look at my phone, not look at my computer. Everyone's gonna be fine. Then what did I do? I <laughs> adopted a dog. You what? What? <laughs> I went and I got the second dog. So. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, it's empty. <laughs> I bet you anything. It was the first time you were stopping to rest in your new house, and you were like, "I need to fill it." Where's the dog? Where's the other dog? <laughs> We had already been like talking about getting a second dog. Well, and now I have my first dog in here. She's she's tired. My new dog, Sadie, is her name. She's super mm. cute. She's only like one and a half. She's like a total puppy. Mm. All she wants to do is play, but she's big. <laughs> she's like the same size as my dog. <laughs> my first dog. <laughs> And so all she wants to do is play. She has such, so much energy. But my first dog has, like, she's very chill. Mm -hmm. She is not like a run out in the yard, fetch kind of dog. That is not, that's not her. (laughs) But my new dog doesn't know. She, she, like, is so young. She doesn't understand that she needs to, like, be calm with this dog. (laughs) So, but we finally got them to a, a place today where they can be off the leash. Everyone was in the house today, together in the same room, off their leashes, not in a crate. We we're making progress. <laughs> I didn't know if we were going to be able to keep my new dog. I was like, this might not work. But I think after today, we're like, you know what? We can make it. We can make it. We'll teach my new dog how to be calm and impulse control because she really needs to learn that. And then this dog will just continue to do whatever it is she does. <laughs> such a cat. Her life. Your dog She's is a cat. such a cat. She's a cat. <laughs> She's a cat. <laughs> yeah, I'm still waiting for that day of rest. But, you know, last week or last episode, we were chatting um in our cube chat before ken's episode about leadership and i said you know that i really like Brene brown and her podcast dare to lead is like one of my favorite podcasts i listen to every sunday and um one of the things she does in her podcast is she has rapid fire questions with her guests and one of her rapid fire questions is this leadership question which i think is so interesting and the question is what is one piece of leadership advice, leadership advice that is so good that you have to share or so shitty that you have to warn us about? So now, ladies, what are your answers? What do you have? They don't have anything, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> They're everyone stumped. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to jump into uh, one I think that people need to really be, and that is as a leader, um, something I learned from a senior executive le- senior executive leader, and that was be the mayor. You know, when you're out there, out in the area, you know, interact and like introduce, like be proactive in introducing yourself. You know, not mm-hmm. saying like hug babies and and like wave and whatnot, but like putting yourself out there and mm-hmm. just you know. Um, acknowledging everybody and also one more thing too you know as we connect with people because one of the issues that I've heard out there you know um, as a leader is that you know my leader doesn't know anything about me you know they go Mm -hmm. out there they act like they know about me for me the biggest thing takeaway that I've also learned from other leaders is getting to know people's story and every individual that you meet is taking away two stories about that person because for me stories resonate and that's how I'm able to understand more about people so a lot of for me is going out there being the mayor and capturing two stories of every individual you come across 
because you're mm-hmm. building that connection. You're building that yeah. relationship, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. I think like mine that I have that's positive, it's not like one piece of advice. It's like a book. And like one of my favorite leadership books is How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Everybody should read it. It was recommended to like my like my tech like my fellow technicians that were in our theater class and our intro to theater tech class when I was a freshman at Chapman. And my professor who had just passed away last year, every like on the first day of class, he would always tell his students that they need to read this book. Then I probably read it maybe I don't know, after I graduated, like maybe a year after I graduated. And it really is so important. It's all about forming genuine relationships with people, which goes in, you know, to your point, Kimmy, of listening to someone's story and like being able to connect with somebody, even if you don't feel like you have anything in common with them. Like find one thing that you have in common with them and be genuinely interested in learning more about it and connecting because that will naturally foster positive relationship with anybody that you meet. And in entertainment, and not just entertainment, any business that you're in, it's so important to just build that network. So anytime you can foster relationships with people to build your network, you're gonna be smooth sailing. Oh yeah. What about you, Riri? The shittiest advice. (laughs) Tell us. There's a lot out there, you guys. Like, honestly. Would be be the mayor. A brat. You're oh, such a brat. So <laughs> <laughs> okay, but for real, what's yours? Oh my gosh, I've been trying to like knock my brain over here, but I think it's hard because um, I don't think I, I was like, I can't think of advice you know when it comes to leading I think it's just what's worked for me right and Mm -hmm. that's just allowing people to be who they are which is again getting to know them right I think that's a huge part of it but coming being an introvert myself I have a difficult time like tell me your story you know Mm -hmm. what I mean like I'm not that um I think it's finding that commonality that thing that that you have in common and to do that you have to have those conversations right mm-hmm. but then it's also just like sensing who they are and allowing them to be who they are and to try things and then you can see how they work and then and then use that and put them in the right place to help them flourish I think that's what's worked and when I haven't mm-hmm. done that it's when when I feel like I have failed as a leader because I have put my own decision on this situation mm-hmm. and, and put these people in the wrong place and and then force them into like a, a box or something that it's just not them. Mm-hmm. So I think it's it's important to get to know the people that you work with, yes, but it's also very important to let them show you who they are and then putting them in a place, like, and then allowing them to do their thing, right? Mm-hmm. And, and taking advantage of that. Because it's a leader, I don't see myself ahead or behind Mm -hmm. it's you know wherever it's I need to be that's where I'll be you have to do the work right you're doing the work so anyway and then there's Ted Lasso that's all I say like I don't read books I watch shows Ted Lasso that's if you want it you want like some sort of hint on how to be a leader watch Ted Lasso that's my advice yeah I love that I love it I love you watch that last season though? I haven't season. watched season two. Oh, I'm only watching. Isn't, isn't that only available on Apple? Yes, it's worth mm-hmm. it. Will you give us your account? Okay, <laughs> 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 yeah, let me do that right now. <laughs> 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 oh, 
good. That was good advice, ladies. Yes. Yeah. I'm excited to hear about the advice that our guest this week has because she's she's a leader in a in a very chaotic world. Um, mm-hmm. Working on Broadway, she's a makeup artist. She's a wig master. She creates beautiful work and works in a very demanding, high energy, intense environment Mm -hmm. and it would be great to see how she leads her teams now that she's gotten into that role and uh she's got some very exciting projects that i can't wait to hear about yes joining us today is a film and stage wig designer whose theatrical credits include beautiful the carol king musical the color purple holiday inn the new irving berlin musical six degree of separation summer the donner summer musical Ain't Too Proud, The Life and Times of the Temptations, Beetlejuice, and most recently the world premiere of the new Britney Spears Jukebox musical, Once Upon a One More Time, at DC's Shakespeare Theatre Company in Washington, DC. Our What the Fun guest is also an Emmy nominee for Jesus Christ Superstar Live, and she also worked on one of my favorite shows, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Oh my gosh, season two, I think, comes out um, in March can't wait anyway um this awesome lady is one busy bee in the theater world and we're so lucky to have her on this show so without further ado please welcome ashley ray callahan yay yay thanks for having me oh thank you for finally joining us this has been like well it's been long overdue period because we tried (laughs) to record last year back in november but due to technical difficulties, we've got it all sorted out. And now we have you in this beautiful new year. Yay! Welcome! Yay. Yay. 2022! <laughs> <laughs> uh, fun fact. So Ashley and I are both Aries. Just yes. FYI. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I see it. I see it. Yeah, yeah. You're a March Aries it. too, right? No, I'm an April Aries. Oh, you're an April one. So it's slightly you were different. Too. A little different. <laughs> a little Similar, different. but different. But different. <laughs> I mean, I'm the cusp. I'm the 31st. So I'm kind of okay. like on both sides. You're kind mm. of on both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm a smack in the middle. 17th. Well, towards the, towards the end there. You're towards the yeah. end. Yeah. You're getting close to, what is that, Taurus? Taurus, yeah. But I, I definitely don't have any tourist tra- traits, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> They're stubborn. I'm not stubborn. We're stubborn. Aries, the, Ram, the Ram isn't stubborn. That's like number one being an Aries. It's like being stubborn and in charge. For the first time of the Zodiac. <laughs> So true, so true. I'm like, bitch, please. (laughs) She lied. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Okay, well, anyway. (laughs) Okay, so Ashley, when we last chatted, you mentioned that you were working on a new musical production. Yes. Um, Tell us about it. Tell us how... This new upcoming musical. Well, just finished performances in DC, but I was designing the wigs for the Britney Spears musical Once Upon a One More Time oh. at the DC Shakespeare Theater. Yes. That yeah. is so cool. So how yeah. was that experience? For yeah. You? Oh, it was really great. The team there, my hair department was like top notch. I mean, I was able to Love secure um, Gabby Vincent as my hair supervisor. And um yeah. I've worked with, she was the assistant supervisor on the first show I ever solo assistant designed on Broadway. So uh, it was kind of like a full circle moment to have mm-hmm. her put up this production for me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like she's, mm-hmm. she's just one of the best people to work with. And I had a great associate, Ashley Robinson, set up the show with me. And with my schedule, I had to be at the Ain't Too Proud tour because I was contracted mm-hmm. with that before they told me about uh, this musical moving. So Ashley and Gabby really had to do a lot of stuff on their own because I was in other places, but mm-hmm. they really did a great job. And I'm so proud of all the work they did. And just, yeah. That's awesome. And this was your very first, like, like your very first show where you are the 
designer. Well, my first, like, big show. Like, I've done shows with, like, six people in them or, like, Mm -hmm. one lady's wigged or two ladies are wigged and then there's, like, some fun other ones. I did, like, a Mamma Mia once that had, like, 12 wigs in it that I was like, ooh, this is getting big. But this had, like, 40 (laughs) wigs in it. And I was like, oh, this is, like, a lot. (laughs) That was huge. (laughs) Like, people trust it. But then I think back and I'm like, well, I did set up a lot of Frozen in that basement, which had, like, 300 (laughs) wigs in it. So I guess I'm qualified to do this job. Yes. Yes. I just remember, Ashley, like, you would come out of the basement when we were opening Frozen, just just die everywhere because you were just dying wigs all day long. <laughs> just, you would just come up to see what we're working on and be like, how's everything going? Okay, I'm going to go back down to the basement. Well, I'd come up and basically go up to like um, Liesl and Clint and be like, hey guys, what are your notes? I didn't get to immerse, like come out of the basement today. <laughs> They'd be like, these are the notes. I'd be like, okay, I'll do those in the morning. And then I'd like, go back to the basement hall and then go to the residence and pass out and come back the next day. Oh, yes. Yeah, you're more than qualified. More than qualified to take this on. You know how to do it. You know how to do it. 300 wigs, 40. It's like, <laughs> come on now. Wow. Six casts, one cast. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. This is just so exciting because, you know, we, we, you know, never really had a chance to talk to a wig designer. And so, you know, tell us, you know, for our listener, what does a wig designer do? Because you design for stage and film. What does your job entail? Well, it entails essentially working a lot with the costume designer and Mm -hmm. with the performers uh, and the director to create like a cohesive story within the hair. The most important Mm -hmm. thing I think about being a wig and hair designer, especially theatrically, is that you don't know I did anything. Like I never Mm -hmm. want you to watch a show and be like, oh, all the wigs in this show. I want you to watch a show and be like, oh, this hair looked really good. And mm-hmm. not even know I existed. Like, that's one of the best compliments is to be like, there's how many wigs in this show? And you're like, <laughs> yeah, there's this many. And they're like, no way. That person had a wig on? Like, that's like such a huge compliment. And yeah. when you're designing it, you're designing period. You're designing for character. You're designing for movement. You're designing for safety within movement. You also have to consider lights and how lights playing off of it. There are some shows where you see who the lighting designer is and you say, oh, I'm going to need to add more oil to this hair because they like to use this color light. And with a performer of color, that's going to come off as an ashy look. And I don't want Mm -hmm. their hair to look ashy. Mm -hmm. So you're looking at all those elements, how it moves while they're dancing, but also remaining safe to move while they're dancing. Mm -hmm. Mm Because if you're doing like a huge musical piece, and they're dancing all over the place and they want like sexy, fun hair. You're also like, oh, <laughs> they're spinning and it's getting stuck in their sweat. Like how, how do we, what products are strategic pinning or how do we keep yeah. this in character, but also create a safe space for them to move? So, I mean, some of the best performers ever can just like hairography the shit out of it. And then you're just like, <laughs> God, you're my favorite. Like, like, uh, there was this one girl, I don't, I guess I'll just say her name, Rebecca Riker in the Donna Summer musical had this oh. like crazy waved hairdo for her uh, femme presenting ensemble track. And she mm-hmm. would just like whip it like right out of the way. Love and it. anyone else who would have done that would have been like, um, I'm eating my hair and it's in the way. I need a different hairstyle. And she was like, no, I love this. Like, do I look crazy? And we were like, no, you look really hot. And she was like, great. <laughs> and she just worked with it. And it was one of those things where you're just like, this is so much fun because it feels so real yet. Yeah. Like she was able to work with it where – You know, sometimes when you're working with like newer performers or younger performers, they're like Mm -hmm. not confident enough in Mm -hmm. being able to do that movement or being able to make that choice. They're afraid like, and if the choreographer's like, she has to stop whipping her head, this looks ridiculous. (laughs) Then we're like, okay, we'll, we'll change it. But if we don't get that note, we're like, yes, yeah, (laughs) she can work with it and she looks good and no one's yelling at us. Yeah. (laughs) 
Well, as we're talking about the process of that, you know, working collaboratively with other designers and the director and looking at the overall picture, what about working with your team? What are those things that you're looking for? And uh, what are what are those steps? Because people assume like, oh, you just go buy a wig, right? But you you do so much more. You don't, you actually make these wigs. Yeah. Um, and that venting takes, it's called venting. It takes like, it's, it's, a, it's a talent. It's a craft within itself. So talk to us a little bit more about that part of the process so that people have a little bit more understanding of what really goes into what you're doing. So each wig is custom made for an actor, whether we're repurposing a commercial back or building it all from scratch. But the process starts by the performer coming in to the studio and we mm-hmm. prep their hair. So if they're um, a white actor, we're typically doing pin curls. And if they're an actor of color, we're doing braids or twists or wraps, depending on the length of their hair, the texture of their hair, all of that mm-hmm. goes into how we prep their hair the best um, to make it as small as possible um, mm-hmm. while still being able to let them kind of live their life. Cause you know, you don't want to walk around with crazy hair for a year and a half because you're in a musical. Um, right. But it starts with doing their prep. And then we take what's called a head wrap and we put a plastic bag over this part of their head and we take clear tape and we tape over their head and the plastic so that we get mm-hmm. about like this far away all the way around and we mm-hmm. draw their hairline. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. we take measurements and then we take that drawing. And we put it on a block and stuff it out with polyfill so that it's the exact shape of the performer's head with their exact hairline. If they're going to be mic'd in the show, we will put fake mic packs on the block where mm-hmm. their mic packs will sit. And then we build the wig. Um, and depending on the budget of the show and depending on what the wig has to accomplish, it will either be a fully hand-tied piece or it mm-hmm. will be something bought from like a beauty supply that you customize the top and the front. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I say customize, I mean each hair is tied by hand. So, you know, you're using a commercial back, so you're saving some time. But mm-hmm. no matter what, all of this front hair is one hair at a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, wow. Like uh, a front, I've been doing this for almost 13 years ish now, like ventilating. Mm -hmm. Um, so I can do a front in like a day, a day and a half if I just sit down and focus, but someone new that might take them a full week Mm -hmm. of like 40 hours, depending on how fast they are and their skill set. Um, but a regular wig for theater can take anywhere from 40 hours to like a hundred, depending on what you're doing. And film wigs can take upwards of a hundred hours, depending on what that needs to be as well. How big the head is, where it needs to part is, does it have to be parted all over? Then you're Mm -hmm. tying each single strand one by one. Because you want that natural look, right? You want it to look like you said, not like a wig. So you're going to do everything you can to make it look. And you're going to put the baby hairs in, you're going to put the small details in. If, the actress has a cowlick and she's wearing her hair at one point and then needing a wig. You need to replicate where her cowlicks are, what mm. the cowlicks are happening. You're copying all of that. So you're creating a replica of someone's hair and head. So mm. it takes time and detail and focus to make that, especially if you're doing wow. it for film. If you're doing mm-hmm. it for theater, there's the distance of 10 right. feet so that small cowlick's not going to be noticed <laughs> past like the third yeah. row. <laughs> right. Yeah. As much as, you know, we want the third row to look great as much as we want it to read from the back of the house, but right. we're not going to do all those tiny cowlicks just for the third row. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> we're going to make sure the lace matches and is laid and the hair looks good from the third row, but we also aren't going to spend an extra 20 hours like ventilating cowlicks in. (laughs) So, okay. I have to know, like, we kind of jumped into like what you, what you do, but how did you get here? Like how, like what is your journey on 
Like, did you just wake up and you were like, I really love wigs and I really love hair and I really want to do this forever. Like, what is that journey on getting to being a wig designer? So my journey started in high school. Um, Mm -hmm. I was not the world's greatest actress. So I was always (laughs) cast in like the drama club role of like an ensemble member who had like a line or someone who danced. And we ended up doing Bat Boy the musical in my junior year of high school. It was like the rape like wasn't really included and the orgy didn't really happen. But like <laughs> we were doing Bat Boy and I was cast as Ruthie Taylor, the girl who dies at intermission. Spoiler alert if you've never seen Bat Boy. So it's like, oh shit, I'm doing this whole musical and I'm dead until the finale. Like you know, what else could I do? Because I'm in the first scene mm-hmm. and then I get bit by a bat and then I hang out. I'm in a hospital crying in another scene and then I'm murdered. Like I'm on stage <laughs> three times. <laughs> so I was like, it would be really cool to figure out how to make this kid I go to school with look like a bat. Like, mm-hmm. are we buying ear? Like, how do you do that? And I had the greatest high school drama teacher that totally encouraged mm-hmm me figuring that out like we found these old makeup palettes and I did like 90 year old old age makeup on this like 18 year old 17 year old boy so he did not look 40 because I had no eye of like (laughs) subtle aging it was like lines or nothing but (laughs) but she encouraged me and she um her name was Elena Helliker. It's now Elena Butler. She still works at that high school. She still has the drama program. Um, and she was like fresh out of college when she started. She was like mm-hmm. a couple years out of college. So you could really connect with her because she was yeah. younger yeah. and she yeah. had gone to school for stage management. So she wasn't just an actress coming in yeah. to teach acting. Like she really taught people about stage management, about lighting, about Mm. sound, set design. She encouraged people to be costume designers, like the part that you don't always see because everyone always focuses on being the star on stage. Mm -hmm. She helped uh, nurture other talents and um, Mm -hmm. she helped me with that. And then uh, we did like our town my senior year Mm -hmm. and I did atrocious old age makeup again. (laughs) (laughs) But she was like, if you really like this, there's actually a school that you can go to Mm. and learn about this. And I was like, this is a real job. (laughs) If you're doing it here, it's a real job. And I was like, oh, dang. Um, And I made this like binder portfolio and I interviewed at North Carolina School of the Arts and I got in. And I went Mm. in thinking I was going to be the next Rick Baker because prosthetics were like so cool. And like I was going to be so good at it. And then I got to prosthetics and I was like, I hate this. Like mm. sculpting <laughs> pores mm. is like horrible. I don't know how anyone like fine lines, sculpting fine lines into a prosthetic, <laughs> like to match someone's fine line. I'm like, this is for the birds. Like I don't have the patience <laughs> for this. But, and then if one part's wrong, you have to start from scratch. Like you have to sculpt it all over again. I was like, oh my God, this is terrible. But then I was like, you know what's not terrible that I really like? Tying individual hairs. <laughs> Because even if I fuck this up and the color's wrong, one, I can tone it. Or two, it can be used somewhere else in the future. It's not just like garbage. But I'm also a huge history nerd. Like I love Mm. history. Mm. I love historical things. So taking like the history of hairstyling and knowing if the weight shifts from here to here, what period Mm. you're in, why the weight shifted from here to here, who influenced it. What sort of person were you and could you have accomplished this or what was your way of accomplishing this Mm -hmm. historically based on economic status, based off of where you lived, like all those different things based off of what country you were in and what was influencing you. Like, and I really loved that. And I loved Mm -hmm. the story that that tells in and of itself, because I'm a firm believer in knowing your history to understand your present. Like all over the Mm. board. If you don't understand why this hairstyle was done, why this cultural reference point, turning point happened, what it Mm -hmm. influenced, I don't think that you understand the world we live in today. 
And I'm a Mm -hmm. firm believer in knowing the good, the bad, everything in history to understand Mm -hmm. why it happened, what happened, why we did it that way and how we can be better today. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that propelled me. (laughs) Mic drop for Ashley, everybody. So learning about that, I went to school for it, really liked wigs, Mm -hmm. got a job at the Santa Fe Opera, uh, worked there for three seasons. and. Mm Uh, David Zimmerman was the wig master there and he had worked Mm -hmm. with Tom Watson and Chuck LaPointe in New York City and I'd finished Mm -hmm. school and I was like hey I'd really like to work at this Broadway wig studio like is there any way I could get one of their number like Tom's number to see if I could get a job and he was like oh Tom doesn't answer the phone call Chuck Chuck will answer the phone (laughs) and lo and behold Chuck (laughs) answered the phone I made a mustache. And a week later I was offered a job and I worked there for about a month. And then I put myself Mm -hmm. through cosmetology school during the day. And I made Motown facial hair in my apartment at night. Um, Mm -hmm. and then once I finished cosmetology school, I started ventilating there full time. And about a year Mm -hmm. later, he asked me if I would assist him in designing musicals and wow. There That's where you are. Here I am. <laughs> you are. <laughs> so you mentioned you like working on Broadway, right? Just working on Broadway. I think that a lot of people are going to want to know, what is that experience like? Like what's the craziest thing you've ever done on Broadway and or experience that you've had on Broadway that stands out? And even, I mean, I can ask like, what's your favorite show that you've worked on? Like all that stuff will <laughs> trickle from there, but let's go for it. Um, I don't know the craziest experience I've had on Broadway, but one of the best experiences I've ever had was doing Ain't Too Proud and mm-hmm. starting it at the Berkeley Rep. We had like a table against the wall to do wigs. Like we were literally in the hallway to stage was our wig room. And um, we were just working like feverishly to get this done and get it on stage because we knew that it was going to be good. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. we just became this like really close knit family. And then uh, there wasn't a Broadway theater for it to go to. So we took it out on a mini tour and we went mm-hmm. to DC, LA and Toronto, which I miss it in LA. I wanted to see it so <laughs> bad too. at the Amundsen. Oh, <laughs> so um, with us, you know, on design, I don't go to all the stops. I just help kind of set it up, but Mm-hmm. It was, again, another form of this, like, we knew it was good and we knew it needed to be somewhere. And we knew, like, what we were doing was, wasn't was just a fluff piece. It was, like, impactful and it was going to change people's lives. And once mm-hmm. we got it to Broadway, it was like, oh, my God, we got it here. Like, we did it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, like, not only that, but those producers were so wonderful. Um, yeah. A lot of the times... On the design side, they don't, people don't like to pay certain benefits for me or they want my fee to be mm-hmm. lower or this or that. And um, they really just respected me and respected what I did. So that made mm-hmm. it even better to work for them mm-hmm. because I didn't feel like I was just a hair person and hair's just hair. Like they really respected what needed to be done to maintain these wigs and they respected. Mm-hmm the design I like they asked me to be at every put in which some shows they're like no we don't want you here we don't want to pay you to come where Mm -hmm. they always wanted me there they always treated me really well so not only Mm -hmm. from like a cast crew family creative family there was the family with the producers which is so um different like you don't Mm -hmm. get that and it's I'm really sad that it closed last week because it was like one of the best experiences of my life. Like it changed my life in so many different ways. Um, And I'll forever be grateful to have worked on it and been a part of it. And I mean, it was crazy, but it was so much fun. I mean, Chuck and I even developed different ways of building the wigs to accommodate certain, um, the way their hair would grow out wearing these short afros. We developed different Mm -hmm. techniques to build them and how to build them and how to cut them so that they read this way. 
And again, one of the best compliments was whenever people saw the show and were like, yeah, everybody's in a wig, but two people the whole time. And people were like, no, they're not. That guy was in a wig. And you're like, yes, he was. He was in a wig. <laughs> he's got a skin fade. Like, he's in a wig. Yeah. <laughs> so it was just being a part of it. Like, I don't know. It was just so much momentum to get it there and to finally have it be there. And everyone, like every iteration of it, every new crew, everything, like it was always such a positive experience. Amazing. And so that's good. I think, like you said, it starts from above, right? So it starts with the producers and it trickled down and you guys, usually the crew is a family, no matter what show you work on. And the yeah. ground is always really solid. So it's nice to see that it was the ground and, you know, those yeah, above also and everybody that, together. I think it's important that your princip- your main principal actor is also mm-hmm. very grounded and very mm-hmm. humble. And Derek Baskin was like the epitome of wonderful. And he mm-hmm. led that ship so gracefully. And when he gave it, when Nick Walker stepped in after Derek mm-hmm. left, like he was also just incredible. Like they both mm-hmm. had such kind hearts and spirits and were insanely talented that it was just such a pleasure to have been on a mm-hmm. show with them. You know, like when your principal yeah. actors are kind and nice, it, helps everybody be kind and nice. It really yeah. does. Yes. It really, it really does. does. It really like does. if you've got like a mean diva, you're just like, oh no. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'll ask them to pin your wig on so you can just yeah. go somewhere else. Ain't yeah. that time to deal. <laughs> <laughs> so switching over to Britney Spears, how has that been, that show been? Because that's a completely different world. <laughs> Well, that's a total, I mean, it's her music. So it's still a jukebox. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's still music people already know. But that's the story of fairy tale princesses. It's not about Britney Spears at all. Mm -hmm. Um, So that story is more about like women's empowerment. And it's Mm -hmm. about writing your own journey. And it's about taking control of where you want your life to be. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, I'm living this life and every day my life is X, Y, Z and my life is fine. There's nothing spectacular about it, but is this what I want my happily ever after to be? Mm. And what happens when I question it? What happens? Mm -hmm. Do I encourage other people to question it or do people side against me when I question it and tell me not Mm -hmm. to mess with the status quo? And where does that lead us in the journey I'm on? And how does yes. that journey change other people? That has how been a topic myself? of conversation <laughs> in my head. <laughs> Mine too. So it's just, it's very current. Uh-huh. And it especially mm-hmm. goes with Britney Spears' story herself. Mm-hmm. Can she write the end of her story? Does she gain access to the narrator's quill is the question. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful right there. <laughs> yeah. I love that. So that's more about that one was more like modern and fun hair. And mm. just um, I worked with Lauren Elstein. I was the wig designer and she was the costume and hair designer. So we worked mm-hmm. really closely together to create these looks that were current, but hinted mm-hmm. at fairy tales and who you kind of expect people to be while being modern and in line with the story. So that was a lot of yeah. fun. Okay. You know, it's great that live theater's back up and you've got a slew of productions to work on with design, but how was it for you during the pandemic? You know, when theater was closed, what, what were you doing to keep yourself busy? Um, just watching television. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I watched a lot of TV and then questioned every decision I'd ever made in my life. <laughs> <laughs> any regrets any regrets uh, well I was just like oh my god I based my whole life off of like this one thing and now this thing can't happen and like yeah. what do I do and 
you know, I hadn't worked much TV before, so Mm -hmm. no one knew my name on the TV side. So all these people I knew were working and picking up days on TV shows. And I was like, oh my God, no one's calling me. I must be like the world's worst hairdresser. Like this was all a lie. I'm a fraud. (laughs) Like people know I'm terrible. You know, there's like that whole imposter syndrome that you're like, oh my God, I must be this. And you're sitting, I live alone. So I'm sitting at Mm -hmm. home alone with cats, like just thinking, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, coincidentally on my 31st birthday, I got asked to day play on Maisel and, um, (gasps) that was a lot of fun and working with them and being in that different environment. I was like, Oh, like I can do that. I can do this. And I really like doing this. And I like mm-hmm. the rush of doing hair for five hours in the morning and then being like, mm-hmm. oh my God, now I need another coffee. Like mm-hmm. my day's just begun. And just yeah. working with Savannah and Stephanie to do what they needed for background hair was just like mm-hmm. so much fun. And it was so much fun to not be in charge either. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. A lot of my career has been balancing things and being in charge of other people and managing expectations and managing, making sure this is budgeted and this is approved and this is that. And to just go in and do hair, I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm just yeah. doing hair. Like, <laughs> so it's great. That was a lot of fun. And just doing that was like an incredible experience. Like, yeah, it was a lot so of fun. Cool. That's awesome. So if you didn't have hair, like what other, where do you, when you were sitting there in your apartment questioning your life choices, what other, did you ever think like I should have pursued something different? Like, and what would that have been? Yeah. I seriously thought about going to law school. Like Mm -hmm. I got, I did not complete them because I'm an Aries and I have a lot of thoughts that I never follow through on. (laughs) Procrastination (laughs) is our number one thing. That's okay. But I did buy um, LSAT prep books Mm. and seriously was considering taking the LSAT and applying to schools and seeing how I could balance that because with the work that I do, I also thought about, okay, what would it be to be like an entertainment lawyer or to be Hmm. an advocacy lawyer or, you know, like I wouldn't want to go into like corporate, like law or something that like, but in a way, you know, like with being an agent with a degree or working with unions to use that to facilitate change, because Mm -hmm. there's still a lot of change that needs to happen, especially on the hair design side of theatrical contracts and things like that, that, um, I would really like to be a part of. So if I could have taken the time to do that Mm -hmm. and get that knowledge, like that would be super useful to other people. Um, I don't know. I think I would do something like that. I, I'm not smart in tech as we've all realized from November. (laughs) So I could never have like a tech job or like, (laughs) so Brene Brown on her podcast, which I'm a big listener of, uh, she has like these rapid fire questions. And one of her rapid fire questions that she asked her guests, um, was what's one piece of leadership advice that's so good that you have to share with us or so shitty that you have to warn us about. And we answered that ourselves on our previous segment to this episode. So what would, what would you say to that? I think if you're leading people, your question always has to be, how would you respond to being led? Mm. Like, how do you treat are you treating the people you're leading the way you would want to be treated by your leader? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think though with doing that, you also have to know that there does have to be a boundary setting. You can't always be, you know, there has to be a time where you're not always the positive uppity leader. And I think that's something that I need to work on is sometimes being a little more stern with certain things. Mm -hmm. Cause I can be a bit of a pushover because I never want to create a toxic or uncomfortable Mm. work environment. So that's Mm -hmm. something, but I think always leading in a way you'd like to be led. Like, are people listening to your ideas? Are they respecting your boundaries? Are they Mm -hmm. listening to what you need 
you know, like, Mm -hmm. I think the best way to be a leader is to lead how you'd want to be led. Yeah, that's perfect. That's perfect. Yay. (laughs) So timing. That's perfect. Um, (laughs) If we had another hour, I would go into it anyway. Yeah, there's so much to go into about being like a good leader. And um, like I had an experience this fall where someone on our team wasn't being treated well. And the person Mm. leading them was using improper pronouns and Mm. creating a toxic environment and you're trying to teach this leader you're like you're the leader you have to do this and they were older and of an old school mindset where they were like no you have to instill fear you have to instill respect Mm. and I was like this is 2021 almost 22 like we do theater we create art we're Mm -hmm. telling a story and in theater we have to be inclusive and we have to read the room we're working with and We mm-hmm. have to create a space where people feel comfortable to be themselves and help create the work you're doing. And this person yes. ended up not taking any of my advice and ended up leaving mm-hmm. the production. And then we were able to bring in people that were more of the leadership mindset mm-hmm. that I think is healthier and better. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. and just respecting people for who they are and allowing them to have the space to be who they are while learning and creating something together. Yeah. Well, listen, I mean, we're still planning to someday hit up New York. And when we do, I, you know, we got a project for you. Cause I would like a big bouffant <laughs> of the 60s. That is my favorite era. Not going to lie. Do you want a wig or do you want me to do your hair? Uh, can we do a combination, a hybrid of some wig, cause, you know, because I'll definitely need something here. We can use your hair in the front and the wig in the back. Perfect. Perfect. So What the Fun podcast is going to head over to the East Coast to New York. And Ashley is going to design our wigs so that we can, one, promote you with Starbucks in our hands. And just go to town. We're going to paint the town with all your awesomeness. But, oh, my gosh, Ashley, you are so cool. I love this. (laughs) (laughs) Ashley, it was truly an honor and a pleasure to have you on our show. Thank you so much for joining us. We cannot wait to see and hear your upcoming projects in the future. So thank you. Yes, can't wait to talk about them. Yeah. Awesome. Thank, Thank you guys you, so Ashley. much for having me. Hopefully oh, we can do it again great. sometime. Um, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Oh, thank you so much, Ashley. If you'd like to follow Ashley, you can follow her on Instagram at smashing underscore Ashley Ray. Again, that's smashing underscore Ashley Ray. Yes, and please be sure to subscribe to all of our podcast platforms so you can stay up to date on all of our latest shenanigans. And hey, while you're at it, go ahead and write us a quick little review letting us know what you think about the podcast. We love hearing from you. We post new episodes of What the Fun Podcast every other Friday. Thanks for listening. Bye, everyone.